Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Well, here we are, the final service of Encounter Week. Uh, when my sister asked me, she's like, what do you want to do for the theme? Uh, I was literally sitting, kind of, I was laying where Taylor was, praying, and um, I felt like in my heart, you know, like when God speaks to you, and I felt that, like the answer was, it's, it's close. It's close. I said, it's, the theme is just close. And um, so I texted her, I said, the theme is close. She says, you know, last year's theme was closer. <laughs> I said, was it? Uh, which means that all year long, we have been thinking about, preaching about, moving forward in this idea that God is close. You know, and I've, I've talked a lot about how um, this year has really shown us that we are always, we have been pulling away from each other and how much we need to be close. And we can all year long complain about how we haven't been together, how we haven't shared meals, how we haven't gone to the same restaurants, haven't traveled to see our loved ones, can't go to the hospital, can't do all these things. And we can complain about all that, but if we don't understand that there's something in our soul that needs to be close to God, and it's never his fault if we don't feel close, ever. He's always, always, always close and nearby. And so we started talking about it. And she's like, well, I think I can come up with something cool that will be the same idea, and no one will know that it's the same theme. I said, what do you got? So she starts, I'm like, near, far, circa. You know, I'm, I'm coming up with all these words, and she's like, how about proximity? And proximity is actually more specific in, to me, better than close. Because it's God's, it's an image that God is always close to you in space-time Right? He's, always, he's always in proximity. But you can actually be in proximity of someone and not be close to them. Right? And so as I started to think about that, and what I was going to preach about is like, was proximity and what I'm going to tell like, I've, I've got to wrap all this up. And Taylor stole all the good points, even laid on the ground a little bit. Uh, what am I going to preach? And Taylor's going to be here. And I want to impress Taylor and, you know, like kind of body up and be like, dude, I'm a better preacher than you. So, uh, you know, he can squat more than me, but uh, bless God, I can talk better, you know. I'm so glad Taylor's here today. And you're short. I'm taller than him. Uh, I drink coffee better than him. Uh, mm. I can say follow better. Uh, I don't have that... uh, that accent, but in thinking about proximity, I actually came here last night just to spend some time in prayer, and uh, which I do most Saturdays before Sunday. And I didn't feel like I had all this information downloaded into me. You know what I mean? Like if you're like, I know the answer. I have all the proper things to fill in the spaces. I didn't feel any of that. I just felt proximity which was a direct reflection of all the things leading up to this moment. 
and all, it's, it's, like, it's like Christmas in that Christmas starts hopefully in October and moves towards this one particular date. But it's everything that you do along the way. I got the tree out today. I got the decorations out today. I picked up some apple cider. I bought some hot chocolate. I got marshmallows. I got the stuff to make the cookies. And none of that stuff is Christmas, but all of that stuff goes into the feeling and the closeness that you experience with the people near you. Okay? So we're going to come here, we're going to sing songs, and we're going to hang out, we're going to hold hands, we're going to pray, and, and uh, we're going to have meals together, and we're going to be fasting, and we're, we're doing devotions, all that stuff. And all of that is just one more thing that adds to a season where we're ramping up to a moment, and that's kind of what Encounter Week is. It's a bunch of moments. It's a bunch of like, I'm going to pray. It's, it's, I've, been, I've been fasting. I've been setting aside meals. And God's been speaking to me just in little ways. And you're like, God, why, why don't you do more? Why don't you do more? And he's like, I am. I'm doing one thing at a time. And I'm walking you up to these moments where eventually it'll be like the floodgates of heaven that open up and pour out things on you that you're like, how did that even get here? And you're like, well, it happened when you were just buying marshmallows and getting the apple cider and just doing things, preparing for a moment when I could show up and do something spectacular. And just like Allison said today during her giving talk, it's like it can be cloudy and, and you cannot understand, but it's, it's in the going when you don't understand and you don't see and, and you're like kind of unsure that all of these things build up to God moments that are absolutely beautiful. And so I, I read through the Bible this week and, and it really didn't have anything that I... I felt like was these moments and I listened to people pre to preach and, and we had these prayer moments like, God, what, what is it that you want to say to your people? I just kept, what is it that you want to say to your people? What is it that you want to say to your people? And it wasn't really until last night in these proximity closeness moments where God was like, here it is. Here it is. So I want to share that with you today and hopefully it leads you towards a greater season of moments where God can open up the heavens and pour out things on you that you can't contain. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are the Prince of Peace, that you get to administer a rule in our life that is phenomenally different than the world around us. That when we say we are of the kingdom of God, it is a ruler that has no end, that has no limits, that has no parameters. And we love, we love you and want to be a part of that. Today in these moments, transcend all of our understanding. 
transcend all of the things that we've been thinking about, worrying about, considering that are different from what you consider for us. Show us who you are in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. So the word uh, proximity was closeness and time, space, and you know all of this, this definition. But proximity actually has some deep-rooted things in, in something like the proximity effect and how sound works and how light travels and how science happens every day for us. But there's this, there's this, this proximity idea that's different from all the others. It is the proximity principle is this, that whoever you're close to is what you kind of become like. And, and it happens in... Um, in communities, like the people that you live around is who you com- become like. There's a friend of mine here that is here today, and he is, uh, he, he just moved here from Huntington Beach, okay? And uh, is it right if I talk about you for a second, Tony? So Tony, I met him last week, and, and uh, he's, he's covered in tattoos, you know? And, and my friend comes up, and she's like, this is Tony. He's from Huntington Beach. And now, if you're from Southern California, you are near and dear to my heart. There's like something special. It's like, I feel like I know you all my whole entire life, even though I've never lived there. And Tony is covered in tattoos down to his fingertips, all the way up to his earlobes. And I haven't seen the rest of him, but I, he's got some tattoos. And, and so the thing I said, I said to him, it's like Tony's, Tony's here. He moved here from Huntington Beach. He looks like Southern California. You know what I mean? He just has a look. In the days, like, I surf. My whole family surfs. We do, like, everything about him is so Southern California because he's been in proximity for long periods of time to people, situations that all reflect that. Now, when you come here and Taylor's like, hey, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about digging a calvert. Good Lord Almighty. He's like, you guys are country people. He knew that, what it was like to be near Country people. God loves country people. Foot stomping, hand clapping country people, right? There's something about country people. But if, if you hang out with them very long, even if you're from the city, somebody goes, hey, we duck hunt. And you're like, I'd like to give that a try. You never thought about that being in New York City. But now that you're out here in the country, your proximity says, I want to try that. Like when I go to Southern California, it's like I, my whole entire life I've wanted to surf. I wanted to surf. When I was in second grade, I was drawing pictures of surfers everywhere I went. So when I go to Southern California, even though I'm a terrible surfer, I feel like I'm a part of something because I'm close to it. I'm near it. So I just sit there and I watch and I watch and I watch surfing, being close to. When you come into church, you may not know what to do and you may not understand what's going on. There's lights and there's smoke and there's music and it's maybe like a church you've been to. Maybe it's like no other church you've been to. But all of a sudden something starts to happen where you meld into something like what you see here because of the proximity. When you move into a neighborhood, this is what happens with groups of people, demographics. If you move into the trailer park, it's it, more than likely you will become more and more like people that live in the trailer park. If you move into the suburbs, you become more and more like people who drive big SUVs, white picket fences, work a nine-to-five job, and have this suburban lifestyle. If you move into an urban area, like my sister who wants to live in a loft all of her life and pay rent, she hates the suburbs and then she moved out there and she's like I made the biggest mistake of my life you know what I'm talking about she's like I want to just walk around the corner grab my coffee and my croissant because this is what I have become by being close to it it's the proximity principle you'll become like who you surround yourself with now there's something else that happens within this proximity principle 
It's, it's because you have familiarity and you gain relationship. It's where you end up staying. It's where you find jobs. It's who you marry because of where you are. There's also this thing that familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And what that means is that sometimes you become so familiar with something that you learn how to hate it. You learn how to hate it. And then you're so close to it that you notice that these things that are always happening is like, I hate that. I can't stand that. I, as a matter of fact, I, I'm like this. I'm, I get so annoyed at stuff that I'm around all the time. Like the word brookies. I hate the word brookies. Some of you are like, what the heck is that? You don't want to know. I hate that. Some, some stuff that people do is so annoying to me. It's like, I cannot stand it. Stop saying that. Stop, stop, stop. It's the familiarity that breeds contempt. And in our lives, when God comes close to us, we can either become like him or we can eventually hold contempt for him. We don't want to admit it, but when God comes close, things get disrupted, and you get annoyed, and you begin to hate, and you begin to have these moments where you're like, I hate it that my life is so upside down. I hate it that these things are happening to me. I can't stand it. And sometimes we're pointing, everybody else going, you did this to me. Why did this happen? Well, this is so terrible. Everywhere I go, this happens, but actually what happens is God's showing you that inside of you is stuff and moments and things that has nothing to do with anybody else. They're just bringing that out in you. And God wants to change you and restore you and take you to a higher level. But you keep acting like, I don't know, this is familiar. And I have great contempt for everything, God, you're trying to do inside of me. Because it keeps messing up what I think is familiar. So here's Paul. He's writing to Philippians, a letter, and he's wrapping it up. He, he writes phenomenal things in the book of Philippians, but he wraps it up, and he's like, I just want to tell you, rejoice in the Lord always, all the time, never stop, don't give up, and I'll say it again just so you remember, rejoice! Ha, 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 ha! Rejoice. Now, in the last year, most of us have not done a lot of rejoicing. Most of the time that people are rejoicing in the last year is because something happened to them that reminded them that they could go back to the way things were. I'm so happy. My kids get to go back to school. It's going to look a little different, but my kids get to go back to school. I get to go back to work. I hate working from home. Maybe we can go back to the building. Well, can we go back, back to church? Can we just get back to where we are? Everything is like, so we're rejoicing in things that are happening that take us back to something that we know. But actually God's saying, like, maybe this whole disruption, this all of this stuff is happening so that I can become the first place thing in your life again. So that you can learn to rejoice in all things with me because that's what I have for your life. Yeah. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. 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 And then he says, let your, let your gentleness be evident to all. Rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. Probably in an election year, the gentleness is the first thing out the window. 
right? Add on top of that a pandemic. Add on top of that um, issues with the economy. Add on top of that uncertainty about the future. Add on top of that racial dissension. Add on top of that uh, people making decisions for you that you have no say in. Right? All of these things are things that gentleness just doesn't happen inside of us anymore. And Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always, and then let your gentleness not just, don't just be gentle, let it be evident. Let it be so real that people are like, wow, that was different. Gentleness that comes from the way you handle relationships. Gentleness that comes from the way you handle your boss. Gentleness that, that comes from people who are trying to do their best to navigate how your kid can go back to school. Be gentle with them. Navigating the person who says, hey, excuse me, can you put your mask up? I'm like, well, I don't think it's working, but I, it's fine here. I was at a, a trampoline park yesterday. I took my kids to a trampoline park. All of the kids are jumping. The Masks are not required anywhere in the jump area. We got kids drooling on stuff. We got it touching everything. We got, uh, you know, sweat just pouring off people. Judas playing dodgeball and laying on people. It's just complete sweat and all this stuff. Like, this is a germ nightmare. And some lady comes over and is like, excuse me, sir, could you put your mask up? For what? Your kid just came over and licked my shoe. But I didn't. I wanted my gentleness to be evident to her. No, ma'am. <laughs> I'm sorry I can't do that for you. It's actually false. I didn't tell her that. Um, let your gentleness be evident to all. Did you know that gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit? Which means that Every time that you're not gentle and you come up with this excuse where you're like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm an abrasive person. You're not living in the fruit of the spirit. You're living in the fruit of you. If you're living in the fruit of you, then I would venture to say that you're not connected to the vine, which is Jesus. Because the Bible says when you're connected to the vine, you'll bear much fruit. Not even just a little bit, just kind of. Well, I, hooray, I was gentle this year. One time. Some of you don't know how to be gentle with your children, gentle with your spouse, gentle with anyone, period. As a matter of fact, some of you take so much pride in being aggressive towards them. You know what I told them? I just told them, you know, you're not going to do that. There's no way. And I told my kids, and you know, nope, that's not going on here. We're not doing that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, what? Maybe you need to learn how to discipline a child the way that Jesus has disciplined you. Sometimes you got to live with your decisions, but guess what? He's always there to say, hey, let's try again. Let's do this again. Let's, let's move on. Let's move forward. Isn't it so good that Jesus deals with you like that, but you don't deal with anybody else the way Jesus deals with you? Gentleness. Let it be evident to all. And then he goes, hey, check us out. Right here in the middle, I just wanted to let you know that the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Rejoice. Always, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. It's like this 
rock that everything hinges on in this whole entire passage, just whirling around the fact that God is near. Rejoice, 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 God is near. Be gentle, God is near. And then he says, don't be anxious about anything. God is near. And he goes, instead, instead of being anxious, you should pray about everything. In everything, offer up prayer and petitions. And prayer is not really what you've been doing. Prayer is actually just communicating in a way that draws you closer to God. Prayer is just conversation. And here's how we can divide that, because right there it says, in everything, offer prayer and petitions. Most of what you consider prayer is just petitions. God, help me. God, do something. God, I need money. God, I'm having trouble. And you're making petitions about what God can do for you. When he's saying, I want you to just start with prayer. Let's just start with just some communication. Our Father, up in heaven, holy are you. Holy is your name. Holy is everything about you. Can you let whatever that is up there just kind of be our relationship? Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. I want to know you more. I want to, I want to see you differently. I want to see people differently. Whatever you're thinking, I want to learn how to think. This is prayer. This is us becoming more like God. He says, in everything, through prayer and petition, make your requests known. Because relationship changes your asking. Relationship changes the way that you experience God. And half the things that you're asking for from God, he's already given you. He's near. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It's, it's fruit from him that comes from being close because he's so near. And he says, I want you to be anxious about nothing. In a pandemic? I mean, do you know what, what the governor's done? I mean, like you, you, <laughs> you think all this fun stuff like, like Clay County. Oh, what happened to the Clay County. You know what they did. They got all these rules and all this stuff. Like, I went to California, and me and Taylor talked. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, man, it's crazy here. You can't go into a store, basically. You have to stand outside. I mean, just nuts. You got isolated. I talked to a friend of mine from Malaysia that uh, their prime minister just shut down the whole entire country. Just, you have to stay home. Do not even come outside. It's happening all over the place. Can you imagine the amount of anxiety that's happening? And when God says, be anxious for nothing, I don't think he's surprised. I don't think he has to go back to the drawing board like, hey, you know what? Something just, it just occurred to me, I'm sorry, that maybe there might be some unfair things that happen to you surrounding your society. In those times, I don't want you to, to, to not be anxious. I, I want you to be anxious. And as a matter of fact, it would be better if you would be very, very anxious and then vote about it. And then, and then if it doesn't go your way, storm the castle. Sorry, I didn't mean to get political, but. <laughs> we are so backwards when it comes to anxiety. And here's, here's, what, here's what the devil has done to you. He's tricked you into thinking that anxiety is normal. Normal. 
Actually, you can just scroll through your, your Facebook feed and get completely anxious, and then a little ad will pop up and say, anxious? And offer you something. Just stare at this picture of moving clouds for three minutes. Having trouble sleeping? Oh, really? How did you know? The world is feeding you anxiety. And then, and then we say stuff like normalize people that are going through anxiety. Instead of saying, be anxious for nothing, the Lord is near. Be gentle in all things. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And in everything, through prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. How does that even happen? Well, you know what? They have these cool little drawings. People drawing stuff. Cutting up soap. It's just so satisfying. All of a sudden, my anxiety is gone. Dare I say that's BS? Maybe it is that you won't follow God's recipe for your life. Maybe it is that you won't submit to God and resist the devil. Maybe you want all your promises never fail, but you won't hold on to them. I remember when my dad promised me things. It was different than any other promise that he was like, yeah, we'll go. You know, like, I wasn't like, you promised, God, and we didn't go. Like, we just ran out of time. I remember things like my first skateboard. Now, back in the day, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of old, okay? Uh, we didn't have the internet. And if you wanted something, you had to get a catalog. In the middle of Iowa, there's really not a whole lot of places that sell skateboards because that's where, uh, you know, California and stuff like that has skateboards. So you couldn't just, like, go down to Walmart and buy a skateboard. It didn't happen. You had to order it from a catalog. You had to wait two weeks for the catalog. You had to order from the catalog by mailing it in or calling it in, and then it would come to your house, and you could even pay for it to the mailman. Believe that. The mailman would be like, I'll take your money. It's called COD. And I was like, I had catalogs, I had like dirt bike catalogs, I had, uh, you know, skateboard catalogs, and all this stuff. And I was like, Dad, this is what I want. And so I went through and I, I circled up all the stuff I want. And a skateboard ended up costing almost $200. And we mailed off to San Luis Obispo, California. And I was like, Dad, I really want this. And he said, Son, I'll tell you what, on my birthday, I'll buy you that skateboard. And I was like, really? And I, like, I came from a family where like, we, didn't, we didn't have like, money to just throw away on stuff. I'll buy you that skateboard on my birthday. So okay. And his birthday came along July 29th. You want to put that in your phone, buy him lots of stuff on his birthday this year? I'll never forget, we opened up the skateboard catalog and ordered exactly what I wanted because he promised me. And it wasn't, you know, like, it was probably I was in my late 30s. I said, Dad, remember like when you said I'm going to buy you a skateboard on your birthday? 
why was it your birthday? You know? And he said, I think I just knew that I would probably get enough money from people giving me money for my birthday. That I would have enough money to buy you a skateboard. It changed my life. And if my dad, who is flawed and has trouble and is struggling just like the rest of us, just a regular person, knows how to be that good to me, why can't you hold on to the promises of God? Why can't you trust him? When he says, I'm near, don't be anxious. I'm near, you can be gentle. I'm near, rejoice. I'm near, I'm close. And you don't feel it, you don't see it. You're like, I don't, I'm, it's just so unclear to me. I don't know how this is gonna work out. It's like, you don't have to. All you have to do is just say, yes, I trust you with everything. How can you trust a God? Because I've been praying to him. We've been talking. We've been having conversations. It's funny, like every time I have conversations, he just shows up and he tells me stuff. And it's like, how can anybody else tell me that? He just does. He's there. And when you make petitions and you kind of test and like, hey, can I, can I get this? Can I get that? And he shows up and it's like, how does that even happen? I was trusting you for something I thought was so stupid. He's like, well, didn't you make a petition? Yeah. And when we were talking before and I told you I was good in all things, I wasn't lying. When I said I was faithful and I'd never leave you, and I'm near, I'm near, I'm near. I make good on my promises. But you won't know that unless you draw close to God. You won't know that unless you spend some time with Him. Like trying to date Kim Kardashian. You can't. You just get to know her on Instagram. You know? She can sell you makeup. She can talk about whatever. But yeah, we went out tonight. No, you didn't. That's your relationship with God. I went to church. No, you didn't. You showed up in a building. We had a conversation. No, you didn't. You just threw some stuff at the ceiling and hope it stuck. And maybe Jesus would be like, hey, I got this. Well, who put this here? Oh, it's Taylor. <laughs> he wants to get rid of his accent. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, <laughs> You don't have a, a relationship. You're a fan. And Jesus didn't go around. He had lots of fans. He did. He went around Galilee, went around those places. He had lots of stuff. People heard of, of all the great things that happened and they would follow. He had lots of fans. But he had a few followers. After he rose from the dead, now he had died. Everybody had witnessed it. He came back to life. And the Bible says that he appeared to like some almost 500 people. But you know who ended up waiting in Jerusalem to be filled with the Holy Spirit in prayer for 10 days? 120. What happened to 400 or 380? They were fans. But you know who was, who was there in the upper room? This is the greatest testament, I think, to the validity of Jesus Christ, is that Mary, his own mother, was there. After he had risen from the dead, and ascended into heaven, was there saying, I need that again. The presence of God in my life. 
And if Mary needs it, perfect virgin Mary, raising the Son of God, blessed and highly favored, how are you? If she's there needing the Spirit of God, needing to be close, God is near, prayer and petitions, gentle in everything, anxious for nothing. If Mary needs that, I need it. So then Paul wraps up his little, his little dissertation. Finally, brothers and sisters, that's all of you. Finally. And he starts this list. It sounds kind of like a, a presidential address. It sounds like, you know, all of the things that we're going to do and what we should be. It's like, it kind of, it kind of uh, rings true to like something John F. Kennedy would come on the news and, you know, and rally people together. He's like, finally, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. And everybody applauds. <sighs> His speechwriters were so great. We're going to move forward. It's going to be so great. But here's, here's this list. And, and Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. Okay, And he was not a very good person. He was very studious in the word. He knew the Old Testament. But he was so zealous for what he thought was right that he did a lot of wrong. And so when he came and started writing the New Testament, he was addressing a lot of the spiritual issues that people were dealing with, including himself. And he said things like this, you need to live a holy life. Flee immorality. Don't be angry. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. All of these things are very spiritual issues. They're very things that, that, that affect our soul and sinful nature. Everything that he wanted to address was so otherworldly spiritual that it had to be applied for the church. And here in his list... He goes from the Lord is near, gentle, you can pray, and connection. And he gives you this list that is so worldly. It's just so regular. He goes, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right. All of these things are just admirable traits that everybody can have. They're just things that you see when you go to the gas station. Whatever is pure. Yeah. Hey, you there. You look pure. Whatever is right. You know, something happened today. It was just, it was just right. It was noble. It was so honorable what that person did. Think on those things. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Meanwhile, in Romans, Paul is saying things like, oh, wretched man that I am. I'm so terrible. Who can save me from myself? And then he turns around and goes, find something, somebody, somebody, anything that is excellent. Paul, what are you talking about? People can do things around you that are so naturally like God that God is showing up in everywhere you turn. It's true. Even people that don't know God can reflect God. The presidential candidate that you hate can reflect God. The teacher that teaches your kids can reflect God. 
the sinner that you think is damned to hell can reflect God. And Paul says, check it out, God is near and you can interact with him, but you've also got to learn how to see like him. Whatever's pure, right, noble. If things are true, excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And it's almost like Paul was on like some health, self-help news station. He's addressing that your spiritual life can be determined or disrupted or tanked by the way that you think. And some people are so religious. I don't even say spiritual. They want to be spiritual, but they're lacking. They're deficient in all these areas. And so what they do is they try to come up with all of these things outside. And he's like, here's the core of some spiritual stuff. But you've got to learn how to just see with Jesus' eyes. Have you ever looked at a drug addict and found out what was right with them? Have you ever saw someone that was prostituting on the street and then just found out what was noble about them? Ryan last Sunday talked about a time when I was in the street in, in, in downtown Atlanta. And I told Ryan that it was the sketchiest place I've ever been. I, I told him, I said, I've been to Skid Row. I've been to all these places. This is like the sketchiest place I've ever been. It was no lights on in an alley with bushes everywhere. And guys just kept popping out of these bushes. And they would walk by. And I was protecting this 14-year-old girl just like this. And she's talking to this guy who's dressed like a girl who's turning tricks. And... Uh, standing there just watching and these guys have walked by and they knew I wasn't a part of their society. <laughs> and they walk by and look at me and go, you good? Which could mean a lot of different things. And then some will walk by, go back. But in those moments, my job was to see what was pure and noble and right. And if you can't see God in the back alley in downtown Atlanta, you'll never see him. You'll never see him driving down the road to your place of work hoping God will do a miracle. If you can't look at a prostitute, a transgender prostitute, when you ask her, what can I pray for you about? She says, I was just jumped and somebody took all my money. Could you pray that tonight I'll make my money back? And you know she didn't mean that she was going to go work the night shift at McDonald's. What do you pray? Who do you know? How deep does your prayers and petitions go at that point? How deep does your anxious for nothing run? How deep does you rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Think about the things that are pure and noble and right because the Lord is near. How deep do you go?
probably, if I were to ask you that question and you to be sincerely honest, you would look at me and say, not deep enough. Not deep enough. I was in Los Angeles beginning of this year trying to like just line out what, and I don't mean line out like I have paper and pen and was like, here's what I'm going to do this year. But like, God, what do you want from me? I was sitting on the back deck reading my four chapters of the Bible I've been reading for 365 days. And a friend of mine messaged me and says, hey, I was just listening to a song. And it made me think of you. It's an older song. It's not very cool. And it doesn't sound like you. It doesn't, you know, it's not something I'm like, you think, he prefaces all this. He's like, but he says, I just want to be like Jesus. He said, I've never met anybody in my life that wants to be like Jesus more than you. Don't stop. And man, if that won't make something blow from the east into the west and right into your eyes, I don't know what will. But if God is so close, because he's in proximity, and we know that the phenomenon says that you can be like what you're close to, even in natural things. Could it be that your contempt for familiarity, not realizing that God is there all along, is messing you up? Not being willing to change and to transform and to say, God, whatever it is that you have, refine me. I know that in this dirt you see some gold, but if you can just burn out the rest, then I could be pure like you want me to be. Not that you have to be holy because he's made you holy, but he can refine you to be more like him. These last moments, I want to just explain to you one thing that I learned this year. I was in Israel in February. First stop was this incredible place. It was the ruins at Caesarea, and this is what it looks like. We traveled for a day, and the next day we woke up, and our hotel overlooked the Mediterranean Sea. That's the Mediterranean there. Right outside Tel Aviv. And these are the ruins. This, this right here where that sand is, that's, that is the Hippodrome. With the movie Ben-Hur, where it talks about the chariot races. They would race chariots there. And it's how grand this city was. It's phenomenal. And, and the, the ships would come in from port, and Herod the Great was, was here, and, and he actually was, was finagling people from Greece to come and race here because, because he's like, hey, you Olympians, like, I realize you're, you're all fighting for first place there. In, in Greece, they would only give first place prizes. So if you come to my place and race chariots here, I'm giving three prizes, first, second, third. And it's so grand and wonderful here. And you're like, man, and it would show us pictures of what the city would have looked like and all of that stuff and how wonderful it was. And everybody would come to this place. It's like the dead end street at the end of the Mediterranean. It's like you hit Caesarea Philippi. And then over here, the next picture is, is this, uh, 
this Colosseum here where this is our guide. He's talking and he starts talking about how the Roman soldiers here would receive Jesus because Paul would come here and preach the gospel to a place that was so unlike Jesus, to a place that was so full of, of, of paganism and cultism and worldly belief and action. And here Paul led someone to Christ so that the grace of God might also fall on the Gentiles. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. We're going here, and my friend Jeremy starts reading the Bible, he starts reading up, and just in a moment, he just starts breaking down crying. He can barely take it. Because somebody preached the gospel right here. Right here. So that people like you and me could know Jesus. Not Jewish, not the right time, not the right place, but just people whom God loved. As we're walking out, we're walking by our guard points. And he shows us this next picture. He says, oh yeah, this right here, what's that look like? A what? Fire pit. It doesn't look like a fire pit. It looks like a well, doesn't it? Like you would reach down and get some water. He says, that right there, that's where Paul was held in prison. we walked up to the hole and I'm not it may look like I'm like way above this thing but I'm not it's not a very big hole me and Eric probably couldn't fit down there he says Paul was arrested in Jerusalem and they brought him here this is the prison system Caesarea Philippi same place where Paul had preached, taught. Here he is in a hole. My mind started running. I started, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? Paul was here because I'd always heard that he was in prison in Rome. And I started researching and said, a lot of theologians think that Paul wrote these letters in Rome while he was on house arrest, which could very be, well be true. But there's a lot of theologians that think he could have written this letter to Philippi from that hole. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. And the peace that passes all your understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Would you stand to your feet and close your eyes with me? tells you my grace is sufficient for you. He means it in every circumstance. 
He means that he is there for you, sufficient, supplied for every good work. The Lord is near. And you can feel him now. You can experience him now. You're in this moment drawing your heart closer because of something that you feel. It's true. It's it's absolutely true. And God is saying, I promised you. I promised you I'd be near. I'd never leave you, never forsake you. In any circumstance that you have that you're going through, you can rejoice. You can be gentle. You can be anxious for nothing. But I don't know, my heart just beats fast and I can't breathe. I don't know what the deal is. And I know what the deal is, is that you're not close to the God who's close to you. Today is the final service of Encounter Week. I want to invite you in one simple act of action to walk forward to the front of this room signifying that you're walking today towards a God who's close. Would you come and find a place to pray and make petitions and to be anxious for nothing? I'm going to count to three. Three, two, one, come find a place. We have some leaders who are going to come by and they're going to pray for you.